WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. This hour of the Christian Arcan Show live from the MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend is brought to you by our friends at Eagle Bank. And now it's Christian Arcan live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEEI. Sports Radio WEEI, it's Christian Arcan. We're live here in Springfield at Red Sox Winter Weekend. I'm joined by Rob Bradford. Um, Bradfo, the, uh, I think one big thing that is kind of getting lost in translation here when fans sort of confront Zion Bloom or John Henry, whoever, is what we just talked about in 2013. There were prospects coming through the pipeline that everyone was excited about. Everyone was excited about Mookie and Jackie Bradley, and, you know, Bogarts was up already, so not so much him, but, like, that was, that was a real thing that people were all in with. Mm. And I feel like this crop of prospects, many of whom predate High and Bloom, by the way, which I heard him saying, you know, we didn't have any prospects when I got here. A lot of your top prospects are guys that you didn't uh, bring in, but that aside. Yeah, and, 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 uh, you know, I mean, one of them is that they, they you give them credit, they took advantage of uh, the two-month baseball season. Right. Marcelo Meyer was fell in their lap, as did Garrett Lit- Whitlock in the, in the Rule 5 drop. But anyway, go ahead. Um, why aren't, why isn't there the same sort of feeling with these prospects, I guess? Well, first of all, Bogarts had played, so you sort of, like, had the idea. And I guess Cassis had played a little bit, but he didn't even hit 200. So, you know, I think there's still a ton of – all it takes, Christian, I don't know if, if you know this, but just uh, just post an Instagram video of yourself taking literally one swing without a shirt on, and everyone, like, gets it very exciting. So uh, I don't know if you the also – Carabas effect, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and uh, we, as I tweeted out, we are in the officially in the – they're in the best uh, shape of their live season. I, I always love the they're in the best shape of their live season. Everyone's in the best shape. 90% of the guys are in the best shape of their lives. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, but I think that they aren't at the level – I just don't think that these guys are at the level that, like, the Mookie Betts was – and you can say that or you have Cassis, you have Bayo, and you have some promising guys. The thing about the farm system is that, yeah, you know, they have a deeper farm system. But here's the issue is that you have to find the foundation guys, right? Like, so they're getting the massive amount of prospects back in the trade. Right. They trade Benintendi, they get five guys back. Well, okay, get the guy who you know is going to be absolutely good. And that we don't know – how many of those guys they have? We know that. Um, <laughs> well, we know Jeter Downs isn't one of them. I can say that. Yeah, from the yeah, Betch trade, yeah. Well, uh, getting DFA. But you got to hit on those. That I mean, frustrated people. I mean, people saw that and thought, "Wow, okay." So all we got left is Verdugo and Wong. You know? Yeah, I mean, you you have to hit, you absolutely have to hit on those, and and uh, it's unfair to Marcelo Meyer, but Marcelo Meyer is such a huge part of this whole deal. He just is because of the position he plays, because mm. of what he represents of being a top prospect. But you go back to, like, all these rankings. I, I saw I saw a, a retrospective of, of uh, what our rankings from a few years ago. It's really depressing. I mean, Michael Chavis is, like, you know, the top-ranked prospect. <laughs> and, and, yeah, okay, that was under Dabrowski, and that's fine. And maybe this crop is better. I don't know. But until you, you actually see it, like, the guy – there's a guy actually – 
who I'm optimistic about, Miguel Blaze, but he's only 19 years old. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes you need to see these guys in September, too. And, you know, with the rosters being different and uh, some of that not being exactly the same as it was in years past, you're not getting that same kind of look at everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great point. This, this isn't like college football. Right. And, and that's why the, the MLB draft never works out because you can dress it up however you want. People don't know who these guys are. And, and so you, you just don't have an idea like uh, Yoshida. Yoshida, okay, you're telling us this, he's this player, and I can look up at YouTube, and it's this and that. But who, how do we know? We don't know. Until we lay eyes on the guys, we don't know. We've, we've at least seen some of Tristan Cassis. We've at least seen some of Brian Bayo. But still, I mean, they are putting a lot of their eggs in this basket. If you aren't going to trade those guys for the known commodity, you are putting a lot of eggs in that basket. Rafael Devers getting signed. I think that, you know, Bloom's his attempt to kind of sway the crowd. And I think by the end of it, he actually did sway the crowd a little bit. They weren't all on him the entire night. Like, by the end, there were some people cheering. There's some people even cheering for John Henry at the end of the night last night. But that notwithstanding, again, um, the way he tried to sort of spin it was in 2019, we couldn't make bets on these guys. We couldn't bring in uh, – we couldn't uh, keep Mookie bets here because we didn't have enough in the system. We didn't have enough young talent to surround him. But now, Rafael Devers, we signed him and, and made this big commitment because we feel like that part of our, our franchise is stocked up well enough. Do you agree with that? Uh, the first time he said that, I think he said it, we were doing a podcast in September, and I had never heard that because I was thinking, like, well, why wouldn't you trade Rafael Devers? You're in the same situation as Mookie Betts. Sure. When you traded him, you came in, you figured out you weren't going to be able to sign him, and you traded him, and it was trending that way. With Devers, he immediately said that, exactly what you said. We're like kind of crapping on the 2019 farm system and then saying we're much better. And I've heard that before from other GMs. I remember going around asking then Phillies GM Matt Clintac when they signed Harper, A.J. Preller when they signed Machado, um, then uh, the then GM of the Angels, um, Billy Epler, when they signed Trout, said you got to have the farm system to control the cost of the payroll and so forth and so on. Okay, that's great. That makes sense. But do you have those guys? Do you have, I mean, David Ortiz sat here, Christian, and, and I think Ken asked him about do you have – what do you think Rafael Devers is going to struggle potentially because he doesn't have people hitting around him? Right. I said, yes, yes. He, and he knows that. I mean, he knows that better than anyone. Sure. And that is a very real thing that, okay, you've got Rafael Devers, but what if he does slump? You do not have the protection right now unless something happens that we're not anticipating. Yeah, or if Duvall has a great year. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a power yeah. hitter when he's right. Yeah, they have guys. I yeah. mean, they have guys that can hit. It's not like you have a bunch of bad hitters. But you, you do. I do think that you need to pay for some certainty at some point. And, and that's where – I think that they get in trouble, and a lot of teams in baseball get in trouble. They've gone on potential. We think this is going to happen instead of just paying for certainty. And unfortunately for the Red Sox and other teams, it costs more than ever to pay for that certainty. Yeah, it does. Um, I talked with Tanner Houck and Chris Martin at the same time, which I wasn't expecting, but they were both up here, and I chatted with those guys. Um, For Martin, I mean, I think we know what his role is going to be. 
for Hauk, he said, you know, I'm, I'm a starter. I'm a starting pitcher. That's what my role is going to be. That's what I'm ready for, and uh, that's what I'm going to be doing here. This whole pitching rotation, I feel like, is kind of fluid right now, but it does sort of seem like they are assigning roles and getting guys ready for what they're expecting this year at the very least. Yeah, but, you know, Hauk is a guy, I think they do this with a lot of guys. We're going to start you as a starter, and we can go that the other way instead of that way. Right. And, and so – and and look, there's no doubt that he wants to be. These guys want to be starters. Sure. I don't know if you know this. That's where the money's. At. Oh yeah. That's where the money's at. So even, although Jansen got a lot of money, to be well, a closer, yeah. Man. But even now, even you know, being five inning starters, you know, and and I think that Tanner Houck is to this point in his career feels like he's probably proven enough that he should get the shot. He's working out again down with Verlander and Scherzer and these guys down in Florida. He probably feels pretty good about himself, even though he's coming off that injury, but. It's an, you know, it's not like this team is terrible. That's the weird thing, right? Is that we 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 have nights like last night, and we're we're looking at it, and we're and we're looking projecting win loss totals. Mm-hmm. It's not like this team is terrible. It's just that I'll come back to the foundational guys. Like the Bogarts thing hurts. It just hurts because you knew what you had. Yeah. People in Boston, you grew up here. People in Boston don't want to tear out down the Xander Bogarts poster. I know that you didn't want to tear down yours in. No, right? mine's still up on the wall, right yeah. up over, right up over my bed. Is that, is First really? thing I see when I wake up in the morning. But the quick, <laughs> the, the quick story that somebody once told me when Nomar got traded, his little kid, he he's he's like, you know, he has to take down his Nomar. Well, parents said, oh, well, I'll go buy any poster, make right. me feel good. Who do you want? He's like, Ted Williams. Why? Because I know he's not going to get traded. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you can't trade him. <laughs> um, but the thing is, with Nomar, they traded him, and then they won the World Series like in a month, a month after right. that. That was different than Mookie Bat, you know? Like, that was, that was right around this time of well, year. Well, that's – and that's – you know, it's hyperbole. We keep saying this is the biggest offseason. But this is, season is the biggest season. I mean, to all the points that we had before, you've got to get off to a good start. You've got to get this fan base. You, you can't get it back. You're not going to get the fan base back in April and May. You just aren't. Or maybe even June. But you've got to start chipping away at it. And – you know, and you they'll just, probably have nice cover because the Bruins and the Celtics are probably going deep into the spring. I would think the way they're going right now, the Red I, Sox will have a nice little cover there for whatever happens in the. But, first but that's months. what I mean. I, I think that it's gonna, if they win, great. Mm-hmm. You're 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 keeping you're keeping your head above water. But if you lose, that's where again the apathy comes in. I think it's they can really really bury themselves it, because what happens if if the Red Sox are bad, and then the Bruins and Celtics, they fall off the cliff. Right. The ultimate, whether it's a championship or whatever, and everyone wakes up and say, there is no Aaron Hernandez trial. <laughs> I don't know if you, I hope, I hope there's no Aaron Hopefully, Hernandez yeah. trial. But, oh, Maybe the fiance. No, well, <laughs> the, 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 what, the Red Sox are where? What's going on? And, yeah, so, again, they, 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 there is a scenario where they could be good. But, number one, the division is so good. And number two, it's it's just people. There's too much uncertainty for people to get their head around that. Yeah, there is. And even you know, in the in the pitching rotation right now, Nathan Avaldi leaves. You got you know Kluber in here and Richards and you know it's just a, 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 not Richards, a Whitlock and you know Ooh, guys who man. are I know sorry Look at you <laughs> guys who are you know we we sort of know what their roles are, but guys that you just can't you can't look at and say oh yeah 20 wins you know that we know what we're going to get no, from this guy I, so you I, don't know that about anybody I in hate, this rotation I, and i hate this all could work out i mean they, they've had projected things work out whitlock is one of them mm-hmm. but i hate this the way the baseball is becoming that way because what happens is that 
You're, it's, it's always like we think this can happen. We think this can happen. We think this can happen. So instead of getting the guy that you know has done it, who maybe doesn't have the spin rate of the guy, you get the guy with a spin rate with a five and a half ERA, and because we think we if we adjust this on the ball that we can fix them. And again, they've had John Schreiber as an example of this, but there's a million other guys, or seemingly a million other guys, it hasn't worked out. And I hate that about the way that things are. And I think there's a lot of sports too, honestly, that oh, we'll get, we're going to be smarter than everybody. Right. And we're going to get this guy instead of just paying a lot of money for someone we know who can get the job done. Yeah, and it just sort of seems like that's the that's the modus operandi around here now. You know, like let's let's pass on the big money. I know they signed Devers, but that's it. And let's pass on the big money, and we'll look for good well, deals. Well, and here's the other problem with that too: is that the way that baseball is now, you're not going to get over on anybody, right? Right. So unless so, it's like a distressed asset on another team or something, you know, like a guy coming off an injury, right? Or you take right. on money or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, like Ottavino is a good example. They took on money and you got the guy and he was useful. Mm. But you know, you have you have guys, um, uh, you guys in this free agent market where they've made significant offers and lost out on them, and you're like, why did you offer that? Like what? Well, someone else offered the same thing, and then someone else offered the same thing. So everybody's looking at it the same way. Um, and that doesn't work for the Red Sox because they can't, like, oh, we signed this guy. You're going to have to trust us. In fact, it's just kind of the opposite. Yeah. Where, where Kenley Jansen is a guy where he's not a guy, like, nobody knows what's – like, he's not a mystery. But, you know, they said, well, you know what, that's the one example that we're going to maybe overpay for. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like – that was one example, and a spot that they needed it too. Not yeah. like you know they needed well, help the, at the end of that. The one thing we we can't argue about, and your your best friend now, Chris Martin, is an example. Of yes, this. you know it's it, they have improved the bullpen. They have. I mean, there's no question about it. They could have a really really good bullpen. And by the way, uh, we're doing the Lord's work at the Bradfoe Show. We're making sure that they have the best walking music in the American League. Okay, we've had multiple relievers on picking walking music, which is the most important. I I can't figure out if they're going to be good or bad. All I can do is control whether or not they have good walking music. All right. I'm going to guess what, uh, what some of the walking music is. <laughs> Tanner Houck, I got, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Nugent. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> right? Is it Nugent? No, no, the new Stranglehold, something like that? I, Cat Scratch Fever? I, I, I know. Schreiber is uh, – is, uh, <laughs> Coop can help me with this one. No, mud Shovel? Yeah, mud Shovel. Mud Shovel. Oh, Stiz is here. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, Stiz right, knows. Stiz, no, Stiz was part of this project. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, Sti- uh, so what was that, Kelly? What was that, Stiz? It was uh, Stain, Mud Shovel for eight no, months. No, that was Schreiber. That was oh, Schreiber. Oh, yeah, Kelly. Oh, I forget. I forget. I'll have to but, look it up. But Stiz is basically when Sti- – He's curating this. He, he, that's exactly <laughs> what he's Wonderful. doing. Wonderful. Yeah. That's good. Stiz, I'm glad you're getting the recognition you deserve, right. my man. Thank uh, you. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We'll continue with Rob Bradford right after trending. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The NFL Divisional Round kicks off today at 4.30 with the Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't forget, all of the NFL Divisional Round games can be heard right here on WEEI. The Patriots reportedly interviewed Bill O'Brien on Thursday for their offensive coordinator opening, the first step toward what many believe would be a necessary reunion here in New England. The Celtics go for their ninth straight win in Toronto against the Raptors tonight. Jason Tatum is out with left wrist soreness. 
tip-off at 5 p.m. And the Boston Bruins are back on the ice tomorrow night to host the San Jose Sharks. Puck drops at 7 p.m. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. We're back to Christian Arcan, live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend. Sports Radio WEEI live in Springfield at Red Sox Winter Weekend at the Mass Mutual Center. There's TC walking by. What's up, TC? Oh, look at TC. My guy over there. TC. The best moderator I've ever seen. TC, I'll tell you what, you were the star last night. You were. Yeah, why don't you come on, hop up TC here. Was a, TC was a superstar yeah, last night. He was de- he oh. was deflecting all that all Dog. that hate and everything. He was unbelievable. <laughs> um, Tom Karen joining the program. Hey TC, how are you? Look at this, a cavalcade of stars. I mean, I'm saying. Almost, almost there. Does everybody get free chicken fingers? Uh, No, these are mine, and don't touch them. It's my lunch and dinner. My bad. bad. Uh, TC, how was it up there last night? (laughs) Lights were pretty hot, huh, there, Seinfeld? Yeah, I've uh, (laughs) I've never flown a plane, but I now have a great appreciation for pilots flying through turbulence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) to get the plane through and uh, get us on the ground. Listen, uh, my takeaway, though, is. Wait a second. When you say listen, comma. That listen, <laughs> listen. Uh, I I just give them credit for 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 taking it. You know what I mean? Like it would have been easier not to do it. And and yeah, Heim said to me after Heim Bloom said, if I'm gonna hope to be out here after a championship and soak up the uh, the, the celebration, I gotta come out here and own it when uh, when we failed. And they failed. And and I thought they took it. So there you go. This but, weekend has been like w- the uh, Woodstock in reverse. You know, <laughs> like there is yeah, all the all the uh, porta potties are on fire and everything. Like the first night, <laughs> then it like gets better. After I think that. is that the slogan for 2024? Yeah, Woodstock, Woodstock in reverse. reverse. The 2023 boss. <laughs> kind of what it's like because today's been pretty chill. Like I feel like everyone today has been uh, well, very. That's kind how of it usually it. is. Yeah. Though. Here's the thing. Okay, I didn't understand last night they were selling beer on the turn ah, this thing. Well, were, yeah. Oh, and, is that true? So, yeah. The one they uh, you know you have like the do you have any suggestions for the, for next year? Yeah. Either don't. Don't sell beer or sell beer on stage as well so that we're all drinking together. You know what it reminded me of? The David Ortiz uh, roast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, although unlike the David Ortiz roast. It will air? It will air on Nesson Monday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the David Ortiz roast, we were there to to, to put it on (laughs) Nesson. They're like... What are you doing here? I was like, we're, we're going we're gonna to show part of it on this. Do you remember this? No, you're not. Do you remember the David Ortiz roast? Yes. So, I, I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about so it. So yeah. it was the Nesson cameras were all set up in position, and then it started, and then you just saw the Nesson cameras being taken down. <laughs> Literally broke down the set midway through the thing. I said, uh, 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 Josh Wolf, right, was the, uh, yes. the comedian. He's the one who put it together, and I, I got to know him a little bit. And I saw him backstage for the show, and he looks at me and goes, what are you doing here? I was like, well, we're going to take, you know, some of it and clean it up and put it. Just, no, you ain't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a half hour. It's like, there's going to be a half. Bill Burr comes by. Bill Burr's like, there's not going to be 20 seconds of this you can and, and use. In case anyone wants a sampling, you go to YouTube and see Gronk. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or don't. Yeah, or, don't. Or, 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 or don't. Or don't. Yeah, just make sure your computer is uh, uh, private. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, good Did job. you sell any books? Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? Number one in business. How many, how many do you have to buy? Uh, no, I know, but how many is he making you buy? A couple of cases, you know. <laughs> a couple of he loves it. He loves a great game yeah. of baseball. I go it's sell them over by the craps table over at you the got a co- You got a copy. <laughs> I got, I, I'm, I'm going to dig into that soon. 
Next week on my ski vacation. It takes a while to read a book, you know? I mean, so, yeah, no, book, uh, books are hard. Time, well, yeah. I thought, I thought actually, hard. just so we were just doing a podcast, Joe Kelly had a good point. He said on the podcast, nobody read books anymore, but we wanted to make it like a podcast. So it's like a podcast in book form. I'm like, I can't argue with that. That's a good way to put it. I have to read it in your voice? Yeah, I kind of. Like, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah, I could yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Baseball isn't boring. <laughs> All right. So any uh, newsmakers today? Any big headlines? Um, you know, no. <laughs> no. Uh, no, you know, I, uh, one thing that I think we, we talked more and more about as the day went on with everybody was, was the WBC and how that's really going to affect this camp. Like, oh. I, I just think the timing couldn't be worse. And Kike uh, said on our show that, that, you know, he wishes they'd have waited a year. To, to do the rule changes so that it isn't a year where guys are leaving because they're not going to play by those rules in the World it's Baseball crazy. Classic. True. Which is a nuts. Did, did, why, why, why would you, you know, play under different rules? And honestly, I, I didn't even, wasn't even thinking of that. I didn't even know that. I just assumed they were going to play the same rules. I told Kike he didn't know they weren't playing by those rules. He's <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah. That's that, on the air. He's like, wait, we're not going to play it, with the pitch is, clock? It is so crazy. You, a perfect example, Kenley Jansen, the slowest pitcher in baseball mm. who has to learn how to pitch fast is not going to learn how to pitch fast until a week before the season starts. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you can have Shouldn't hitters be a problem stepping for out a of the box. Thirty-seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. So I, I think that's uh, that's something. And and really now that we're past the, yeah, you know, we could have spent four hours today just talking about you didn't sign Xander Bogarts, but we decided to go past that and actually talk I'm about. I'm still the hung season. up on that. Just for I, the record, yeah. <laughs> you're not alone. Uh, what last night told me is you are definitely yeah, not alone. Right. Uh, but but I, I do think that those rule changes, you know, there's going to be a lot of unexpected consequences, right? Unintended uh, manifestations of what happens there. Are they thrown over the first all time? A guy's pitching out again just to reset the clock. You know, it's going to be interesting how these rules change and how spring training now, I think, becomes really important because these guys are trying to figure out some of that, right? Like Dave Bush said, they're going to have pitch clocks everywhere on the backfields right, right. in the bullpen yep. they're yep. gonna be everyone's gonna be pitching to the clock it's it's really important it's gonna be fascinating and there's only gonna be one place that you can consume that it's at on 8 8 50 a.m radio right doug correct is that right which right. is really embracing <laughs> as we talk uh, about these rule changes and adapting <laughs> i think bringing baseball back I, to a.m is, is really this is, how you, you can guys know this this is my one goal in life to bring a.m radio back every <laughs> march so there you go right in the demo there, there you go Perfect. Hey, i gotta I go think run. you should read your book on am radio well, i mean that will listen, be the ultimate it's, 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 it's the same as like here at joe say here comes big number 97 in from the twins bullpen with no name on his I'm, back oh here's the great news i'm doing the play-by-play of the northeastern oh you are i did oh, 27 goodness. years at nesson and hey tom uh, uh, what are you doing <laughs> february 24th you're doing yeah. the huskies <laughs> good luck with that hey i gotta go run to talk to christian castles all right, but good seeing you guys. i guess good i'm done to too all I'm right not hey, this good to see you thanks for me all Thanks right. for the French fries. I'm taking Yeah, them. you got it. All, All right. right. That is uh, Rob Bradford, Tom Karen joining me here and now leaving me here at the uh, Red Sox Winter, Cla- Winter Classic. How about the Red Sox Winter Weekend? Not the Winter Classic. Although the Winter Classic was a nice thing over at Fenway this year. Um, that is not what this is, though. This is something very different and a lot of fun. I got to tell you, uh, every time I look up, I'm seeing kids running down the 40-yard dash. I'm seeing uh, kids throwing the pitches over there. I'll tell you what. That's 90 feet. Oh, yeah, right. That makes sense. Stealing home. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I'm, I'm up here. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All I know is they can run faster than me. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, this has been uh, a lot of fun here today. And like I said, I mean, for all the, uh, for all the anger and sort of uh, people getting 
getting a little lubed up and uh, letting their feelings be known to uh, to the powers that be. Today has been a very different vibe here, that's for sure. Even when Bloom was up here and I was interviewing him, you know, people were gathered around watching, but you didn't get that same sort of you didn't get that same sort of uh, I don't know. Passion is the nice way of putting it, but you know what it was. <laughs> anyway, um, today has been uh, very, very different in that regard. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about these games coming up tonight and tomorrow in the NFL. you got the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Jaguars. That's coming up in about an hour. And uh, at 8.15 tonight, the Eagles and the Giants. Now, for AFC fans or uh, fans of AFC teams, you look at these four quarterbacks who are still left, and Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, right? I mean, those are, those are four pretty heavy hitters right there. And I was thinking about this today. Like, you don't – it's easier to get into the playoffs now, sure. It's, it's much easier to get into the playoffs and to, uh, you know, secure one of those wild card spots, even if it means you're going to be a tomato can like a lot of these teams were this year. Um, it's easier to get there. But once you get there, then what do you have? Once you get there, then what are you? Like, say the Patriots had snuck in. Uh, and let's say even they had uh, gotten lucky and, and had a favorable matchup in that first round and ended up winning that playoff game. Now they're on to the division round. We're talking about getting this team back to a place that resembles where they were for the last 20 years. Not a dynasty again, but something, something in, the, in the ballpark, in the vicinity. How do you do that when you got Trevor Lawrence... Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes there. What do you do? You hope one of them gets injured? You know, I mean, is that it? Like, and, and I don't even think Trevor Lawrence is that great or that he has some great team. But we're talking about the first overall pick, a guy who made a tremendous leap this season from that awful uh, Urban Meyer team last year. By the way, it goes to show what good coaching can do, doesn't it? Um, Trevor Lawrence suddenly is this playoff winning stud who's now going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in the division game. And uh, I don't think Jack- Jacksonville has much of a chance in that game or anything. But I guess that's sort of the point, is that if you're Mac Jones and you're the Patriots and you're looking at these teams playing in the AFC this year, those could be very well four quarterbacks who take up those spots year in and year out for a while. And you've got to figure out how to weasel your way into there and how to, how to make yourself one of those quarterbacks and make your team one of those teams. It's not just the quarterbacks. I mean, that's an important part of it. But over on the NFC side... You know, it's not the usual suspects. You got Brock Purdy, you got Dak Prescott, uh, Jalen Hurts, who I like, and Danny Dimes, who's having a good year uh, with Brian Dayball for sure. But are those like four quarterbacks you expect to see there every year? No, I think the NFC is a lot more wide open in that regard. Some of these teams may be back, uh, and that's you know not necessarily the point that I'm making. But like, you look at those QBs and you think, yeah, someone else could could get in there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers comes back, has a good year, and all of a sudden he's right back in the division round. He's one of those final four QBs. Those aren't really that uh, intimidating. And the AFC, it is. In the AFC, that's an intimidating group. And somehow the Patriots are going to have to figure out how to, how to broach that. And I just think that that's going to be a long, a long road. Now, for these games here, um, you got the Chiefs' as big favorites over Jacksonville, and I think that they should be. I also think that there's this kind of conception that, well, you know, look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs should be a good indicator that the Patriots aren't that far off because who does Patrick Mahomes have to throw to? Really, other than Patrick Mahomes, what's the difference between the Patriots and the Chiefs? I'll tell you what the difference is. It's not just that. Uh, Obviously, that's huge. But the Chiefs invested in their offensive line in a way that the Patriots can only dream of, I think. They, They invested in a major way. They brought in Joe Tooney. 
they drafted that kid, the center whose name escapes me at the moment, who's an all-pro this year. And uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is one they signed away from the Baltimore Ravens, and he was a pro bowler with them. All right, He wasn't some unknown. Joe Tooney wasn't some unknown, the diamond-in-the-rough guy that they took a chance on and he worked out. These were marquee offensive linemen, and the Chiefs snatched them both up, and they said, you know what? We can afford to trade Tyreek Hill. We can afford to move on from our superstar playmaker because we got a great tight end, and now we got a great offensive line, and our quarterback can do the rest. And they went 14-3 and this year. You know, like what? The proof's in the pudding there, isn't it? And I've heard a lot of Patriots fans say things like, well, the Patriots don't necessarily need some big stud wide receiver because look at the Chiefs. They traded away Tyreek Hill, and they haven't missed a beat. And that's true. Uh, they haven't. But they also signed Juju Smith-Schuster, who's doing better than either of the two guys you, you uh, signed two years ago. And you could have had Schuster. He ended up going back to Kansas City on like one year, $7 million. And uh, before that, he went back to the Chargers, uh, not the Chargers, the Steelers. And so, you know, like that, that's a guy you could have had. He's almost 1,000 yards this year. And uh, meanwhile, Mac Jones is struggling with an offense that, even with a great wide receiver, probably wasn't going to do much. And I think that's sort of the big difference. Um, you have a system in Kansas City that works. You have a quarterback who's one of the all-time greats. And over here in New England, you have a quarterback who's still sort of finding his way in an offensive system that I think went about as poorly as any offensive system possibly could have last year. A combination of uh, bad coaching and, I think, you know, just poor play. And that's something that you're not going to see in Kansas City. You're just not. You're not going to see those same kind of problems. And it's not just a quarterback away. I mean, yeah, having Mahomes here would certainly help. It's not like that would hurt you. But you're not, you're not in that ballpark yet. You're not in that ballpark yet. You don't have that kind of protection, and you don't have that kind of system. So when you're watching these games, and listen, I don't have to tell you about Cincinnati and Buffalo. The Patriots fans, you've, you've seen that up close. <laughs> you know, like you didn't get the Chiefs this year, but you got those two. And uh, they gave you all you could handle, especially the Bengals in that first half. I mean, you saw what that was like. You saw what it was like trying to defend those guys, trying to defend Joe Burrow. They took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half of that game, and, uh, you know, <laughs> that's when you got back into it. But, come on, let's be realistic here. And same with Buffalo. And, listen, I'll tell you what, the Patriots didn't uh, roll over and die against Buffalo. They didn't. They, uh, they fought hard, and they made that a game, and that was a much closer game than I think anybody was expecting, especially considering what Buffalo went through. But you know what it's going to take to get past them. You're not past them. You gave, him a, you gave him a decent fight. And, again, that's a step up from last time. But uh, that's not enough. That's not enough if you want to really compete in division weekend. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Let's go to the phones and talk to Anthony, who is in the car. Go ahead, Anthony. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I had just uh, I had a quick Red Sox thing, but I got a Patriots one, too, if I could squeeze it in. Yeah, go ahead. Do Red both. Sox, I, I think the Red Sox suffer from chronically undervaluing their players. And this actually, does, it, it transcends not only the general managers, but ownership. It's like Babe Ruth to Bogarts. I mean, you look at guys like Fred Lynn, John Lester, uh, Mookie Betts, on and on and on. They just undervalue their own players. Like, they have guys that are proven that can play here, and yet they just let them walk, and then they pay extra for the Band-Aid that's, to fix it, and it never seems to work when they have to do that. Yeah, they, Anthony, they I think really we rethink it. Thanks for the call, Anthony. I appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, with Xander Bogarts, that was, I mean, that was right there. They, they tried everything. They came out and said, Xander Bogarts is our number one priority. That's the guy that we want. We're going to do everything we can to re-sign this guy. And then when it came time to put a pen to paper, they made an offer that wasn't even close. 
And I don't know if they could have uh, signed him with a better offer. I don't know if he would have foregone the chance to go out in the free agency. Hyam Bloom talked to me about that, and he made a good point. He's like, you think he was going to do that twice? You know, forego free agency twice just to sign a hometown deal. But here's the thing. It didn't have to be a hometown deal. It didn't have to be some, you know, it, I guess it did compared to what the Padres uh, offered him. But it really didn't have to be that. It could have been a nice, reasonable, expensive contract for a guy to close out his career here in Boston. And uh, it just fell by the wayside. Really. I mean, that, that's what happened. I don't know if it's because they undervalued him. I think it was because they tried to maintain their uh, their market and their market just was unrealistic compared to what other teams or one other team was willing to pay uh 617-779-7937 let's try my friend steven fall river hey steve man you brought up some awesome awesome things to look at but look at uh why don't we need a uh, uh the, the red sox have a problem and everyone's aware of it it's the players i don't know that i would have spent the money on Dan the bogart but they did sign Rafael Devers, because all the whole season, oh, they're not signing both of them. Rafael Devers was the guy they should. If you had one to sign, it was Devers. It wasn't Bogots, and he got a ridiculous deal from Sam, from his team he went to, and God bless him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're looking at the Patriots, and we want an offensive coordinator. We're not worrying about the personnel. Somehow we're worrying about the personnel exclusively on the Red Sox. We're not calling for a new pitching coach because we have a lousy pitching staff. We're aware that we need better pitchers. Why can't we translate that over to the NFL? You said look at the two leagues. Look at the two conferences. What does San Francisco have that Brock Purdy's benefiting from? A beautiful roster. It's not... The, the coach is part of it, but John Lynch is That's the a part big of it. part. They got a nice system there, and they got they an got offensive the, minded coach been, who has put that kid exactly, in position to be successful. Been, you can't deny that, Steve. And, and that's the reason they're successful. So, how are the Patriots going to pierce this four, these four guys here? Most, you, you're, you're not probably going to get another quarterback because it's hard to do. There aren't a lot of them. So, you have to build your roster up. Now, Look at no one is going over the nonsense in this roster. Travis Kelsey's playing. Is he a good tight end? Who's the guy in Who's the guy in uh, San Francisco? You're bragging about George uh, Kittle. George Kittle. Yep. You realize these guys were picked where Bill Belichick tried to pick Devin Asiasi and Dalt, and the other knucklehead he went to pick. Yeah, Dalton Keene was the other one there. Thanks for the call, Steve. I got to let you go because I'm up against the break. But I I see what you're saying. I think that. It's di- football and baseball are polar opposites when it comes to that stuff. Um, baseball, it's not so much systems, but there's teams that go more analytical than others, and they try different things. You know, they'll try uh, putting a reliever out there to start a game or, you know, things like that. Uh, it, it's, that's obviously a bad example, but you know what I'm saying. Um, in, in football, your coaching staff has to devise an entire offensive system that a quarterback then has to run, and then everybody has to be on board. Like, baseball is different in that regard. You know, baseball, everybody's playing the same game. The pitcher's trying to get the batter out. The batter's trying to hit the ball. Like, there's not the same kind of, you know, it's not the same kind of uh, uh, system that has various play calls and things like that. It's just there's a lot, it's a lot less busy. And I think that's an important distinction. But that being said, you know, I think uh, batting coaches, pitching coaches, they get fired all the time. 
usually I think it's uh, scapegoating because the players are underperforming, so they fire the, the pitching coach. You know, like I think that that's usually they're getting a bum deal. But sometimes they're just not relating well. Or really it's just as simple as a guy's in a slump and this guy's not helping him out of it. You know, like we know this guy's better than what he's been doing lately and he's not injured, so what's the problem? Someone figure it out and they can't figure it out, so they bring in a different coach and he tries to figure it out. Now, I mean, that's sort of an old-school way of thinking because now they got a million analytics guys and they're all, you know, crunching numbers and trying to figure out the best spin rate and all that. But I do think that there's still a place for that. Um, and that's sort of how that works. But that's different from the way the NFL is. I mean, that's totally different. Uh, 617-779-7937. Neil is in Connecticut before we, uh, before we go. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, I wanted to say, when you were talking about athletes that we've let go in this city, how about Colin Fifth? Sure. Here's the contract in the mail. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't Fisk's? They were supposed to like fax it over or something, and the fax never came through. Is that right, or am I thinking of somebody else? I feel like there was something with that with Fisk. This is before my time, I think. Um, but I'll uh, I'll go ahead and look that one up. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. We'll come back and wrap things up next here on uh, uh, Sports Radio WEEI. We're back to Christian Arcan live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend. WEEI. Sports Radio, WEEI, Christian Arkin here with you for a few more minutes. If you want to chime in, you got to do it fast. 617-779-7937. There's the phone number. Um, there's a big crowd uh, gathering next to me. I don't know what they're all looking at. What, what's, what's everyone looking at over there? Who? Oh, okay. Um, not as big as the crowd for David Ortiz when he was here. David Ortiz was here, and this really was like Woodstock in here. <laughs> It was people were people were crowd surfing. It was crazy, um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a little while ago. Here is day two of winter weekend out in Springfield continues to roll on. Like I said a few times now, very different from the way things were last night. It's been a lot uh, chiller so far today. Uh, not quite so many, uh, not quite so many tomatoes getting thrown. That's for sure. Um, that being said, uh, we were just talking about. I just happened to see this. We were just talking about the uh, the football games coming up tonight and tomorrow. Kyle Shanahan said that Jimmy Garoppolo has an outside chance to be ready for the NFC Championship game if the Niners advance to it, but there's a better chance for him to be ready for the Super Bowl if the Niners get that far. If the Niners get that far, they're not benching Brock Pro. Why would he even say that? If you get that far with that kid, you're going to go back to Jimmy? I mean, that would be, that'd be a wild move on Shanahan's part, and it would just go to show that if the uh, players around you are good enough and the system's good enough, then it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. <laughs> you can just go with whoever. Um, but that would, be, that would be a really wild move. Um, I also want to say this. I know that uh, they haven't, there's no rush to make any big announcement if the, uh, if the announcements aren't ready to be made here. But I'm a little concerned by how quiet things are on the Western Front uh, of the Patriots right now. Between Gerard Mayo and whatever's going on with him, I thought that would be taken care of by now. Uh, that seemed like, you know, just a matter of crossing some T's and dotting some I's. We still haven't uh, heard what's happening there. And Bill O'Brien, who interviewed on Thursday, I want to say, that was, I thought, a slam dunk, right? Wasn't Bill O'Brien? He wants to be here. They want him, everybody, you know, like, <laughs> do you like me? Yes, I do. You know, like, what? what's the hold up there? What's everyone waiting on? Um, O'Brien, I thought, was going to be announced before the weekend even started. And now here we are. It's Saturday, uh, almost 4 o'clock on a Saturday, and we still haven't heard anything. 
I only say that because uh, Fowler just reported that the Ravens are requesting permission to speak with uh, Dave Canales, who's the Seahawks quarterback coach, who's done a great job this year with Geno Smith, for their offensive coordinator job. And uh, I, I just sort of think, like, you know, the, the wheels are turning here. The, the, the whole thing's spinning. Like, the, the carousel's spinning. And you better get on because you can have all these interviews and you can put out press releases and you can do all that stuff. But I'm not, you know, like there's, I have an uneasy feeling right now about these Patriots and what they're doing with this coaching staff. It's, uh, it's probably unfounded, you know, we'll probably here by, by Monday, you know, that one of those two guys is signed, I hope. Uh, I certainly hope so. If, if you lose out on Mayo and on O'Brien, that's not going to look good for you. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to make a huge difference when it comes to, like, the team next year, but I know that those were your two guys that you really wanted, and if all of a sudden you find yourself you can't, you can't get them, <laughs> you can't get them signed. You got a problem there, folks. Um, another little piece of breaking news here: this is from the Bruins, and that is that Brandon Carlo is back on the ice practicing today. If you remember against the Rangers, uh, he blocked a shot and it looked bad. I mean, he he took one right off uh, right off the leg there, and it looked really really bad. And um, you know, when like a hockey player is that, like it's different from from some of these other ones. But when he, you know, when a hockey player is down and can't and can't keep going, then that's generally pretty problematic but um carlo was there he's taking rushes this morning at warrior ice arena and that means he should be good to go against uh, san jose tomorrow night montgomery told reporters i think he got a drop foot nerve was the problem wasn't aware of that after the game we expect him to be, to be available sunday he skated well today so that's good news for carlo not good news on Noshik though he's going to be out four weeks with a fractured foot and that's a shame because I'll tell you what, Noshik has been a pleasant surprise this year. Everybody in the Bruins has been kind of a pleasant surprise, but he definitely has uh, what he's been doing. Um, it's, been, it's been something to see. You know, you talk about secondary scoring and some of these guys in the third and fourth lines and, and really the tremendous contributions that they've made. And let's be honest here, that's the difference, isn't it? The goaltending, obviously, but we're talking about scoring and things like that. You always know what you're going to be getting from your top line and your top scorers. No one was expecting these Bruins to uh, to to come out the way they have down the down the roster, you know, all the way down. And you're getting contributions at the wazoo with these guys. So too bad about Noshik. I don't think it's going to be devastating. I think the Carlo injury could have been uh, a lot more of an issue considering uh, how well the – play on the blue line's been lately and he's been a big part of it but you know even if he's gone you got Forbert you got all these other guys who block shots and have really been playing well this year so I don't know I don't know what it's going to take to topple these Bruins I'll tell you uh, I, I heard the other day they're thinking about load management for Bergeron maybe that's going to be something that slows him down a little bit I think that's a great idea by the way I think load management for him load management for Krejci you've got a big enough lead don't you I don't think you need to worry about that um I'd say go for it, you know, and I think the Celtics should do that too. Right now, the Celtics and the Bruins, you know, Boston, I'm telling you, Boston, Springfield, whoever, it wasn't a great football season, and we'll see what this baseball season is going to be like. But right now, you are in the midst of something special here with these two winner teams. You really are. And, uh, you know, these other teams maybe could take a page out of the the books of of the Bruins and of the Celtics, Uh, in particular these Boston Bruins. I think there's still a real comparison to be made between them and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox expectations. I mean, you heard the crowd last night. You know what expectations are. You know the general tenor of uh, of the fans here. And I know it's been different today, but I think many a truth was said last night. I do, and uh, it was kind of the same feeling with the Bruins coming into this season. Don Sweeney. I mean, my God, he was public enemy number one, and the only uh, person less popular than him was Hyam Bloom, <laughs> or maybe Matt Patricia. One of those two. Maybe both of them. But either way. 
you know, that was that was the way we sort of looked at it coming in here. Man, Sweeney really didn't do anything. Look at this. He only brought back his own players. They didn't get anyone. This team needed a big overhaul, and they didn't do anything. They're just running it back and hoping that maybe this time, you know, the puck bounces their way a few more times than it doesn't. And I tell you what, Don Sweeney right now, that's who High and Bloom's probably looking at thinking, man, I want to be you in a couple months. I want to be you. I want to be the guy that everyone doubted, that everyone said, you don't know what you're doing, you're having a terrible offseason, you suck, you this, that, whatever. And then what happens? Oh, nothing. They just go out and have the best hockey season any team's ever had. <laughs> I know it's still ongoing here and they could still blow it, but, like, what can you say? What can you say about the Bruins? That's who that's who High and Bloom and these Red Sox need to emulate, all right? <laughs> Expectations are low. Should be easy to clear it. And that's my time. I want to say thanks to Stiz. I want to say thanks to High and Bloom for joining me, Tanner Houck, and, uh, of course, Chris Martin, Rob Bradford, and everybody else. I'm supposed to talk to Lou today. I guess he blew me off. So no thanks to him. But congratulations to him because uh, he's going to be working with Nesson. That got announced today. Very cool. I'm off uh, till Monday. I'll talk to you then at 2 o'clock with Mego right here on Sports Radio WEEI. Goodbye.